And uh, in a few moments, I will be directing you to where to go with that. But this morning and in recent weeks, we're talking about money. Talking about money. Most people who are listening to me here this morning will spend more time this week. You will spend more time this week on the income the organizing, and the expenditure of money, more time spent on all of that than time spent on almost any other pursuit. If you do the math and you add up all of those working hours, the, 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 the paying the bills hours, the, the going and spending it and buying the grocery hours, spending the money, it's a lot of time. You're going to spend a lot of time, and it's all going to be wrapped around, a lot of it's going to be wrapped around money. Making money and managing money and spending money is a huge part of our lives. If somebody ever tells you money isn't all that important, ask them if homelessness is rather important. Or ask them if, if paying the bills is important. Or ask them if, if, uh, if having enough to get to the end of the month is important. Ask them if fuel in their car is important. Money and all the things surrounding that are so often important. As we've seen in recent weeks in the Bible, Jesus talks money. Jesus talks money. Jesus talked money a great deal. I gave you some statistics in recent weeks of the number of times that Jesus spoke about it, the number of times that we find out about it in the Word of God. And for two weeks, we studied Matthew chapter 25 in depth, the, the, the part that we call the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents, in short, is in that story Jesus told of a, of a wealthy master who who distributed vast amounts of his wealth to three of his servants. And then the rest of the story is what, what those servants did with those vast amounts of money. And, and if you were here over the last two weeks, you, you know that the prevailing message that kept coming through that amazing story is that God gives us resources God gives us time, and God gives us money, and God gives us opportunities, and God gives us responsibilities, and we are to make the most of those resources. You and I are not going to live more than 90 or 100 years. There are a few exceptions to that. But we have a limited amount of time walking around in these bodies. We're going to have, in many cases, in most cases, considerable resources, financial resources, that are going to pass through your accounts in your lifetime, in some cases, enormous amounts. But even the person who, who will make the least here a, a considerable amount of resources inside of a lifetime. Every person here, in the limited time that they have, will have numerous opportunities and responsibilities that are given to us by God himself. That's the, that's the, the message there. Knowing that, that one day we will give an account for 
the resources that he gives us, knowing that one day everything that we have, we will return to him and we will give an account. You see, you and I, and this is a word that I have not used in the previous two weeks, but you and I are stewards. Stewards. A steward is a person who cares for a material of someone else's. A steward is a person who who takes care of another person's property or resources. You and I are stewards. It's only going to be in our hands for a time, but it's what we do with it that matters. That's the message of the parable of the talents. Someday, every one of us are going to stand before God, and we will give an account. And I want to hear him say to me, and I want to hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I long to hear those words. When I stand before him, when you stand before him, and all of the years of our life, many or few by our count, all of the responsibilities and the the opportunities that he gave us, the financial resources that he allowed to come through our hands for a time, we will give an account. That's what that parable, that's what Jesus sent, the message that he sent with that parable. And I long to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, rather than you are a wicked and a lazy servant. Both of those are quotes from that parable. So we're going to give an account. We're going, to give, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account one day. Well, that's just one place where Jesus talked about money. It's just one place where Jesus talked about financial resources or material resources. Another time is in the book of Matthew chapter 6. Beginning with verse 31, this is what Jesus said. This would be familiar to many of you. Jesus said, do not worry, saying... What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, or the unbelievers, run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus here, he's talking about the essentials, the things that we need, the things that protect us, our, our, our clothing, our, our drink, our food, our shelter, all of these essentials. He's saying so many people become so stressed out, anxious over all of these things, but he said, I want you to focus in on, I want you to focus in on me. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That if we make that the most important pursuit in our lives, if we understand that the most important thing in this life is to follow Jesus Christ, then everything else falls into its proper order. I've found, maybe you have as well, that one of the most dangerous things for me to get out of balance is that when I fail to put Jesus Christ as number one in my life. There have been times where other things, not necessarily what we would consider sinful things, although sometimes, 
But sometimes it's just something rather innocuous and it begins to creep its way in and begins to take, capture our attention. Has that ever happened to you? Where something begins to come up and, and it becomes the greater desire, the greater passion than my pursuit of Jesus Christ? Has that ever happened to you? Things get out of balance. Jesus here is saying, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness means to be in right relationship with God the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you make this your priority, then all of these other things will fall into place. Luke chapter 16, Jesus told another story about a man who was financially wealthy but eternally poor. It's a powerful story. You can read it sometime there in in Luke 16. But the, the story of a man who had so much in this world, but at the moment of his death, right, when everything else was turned in, because we only hold it for a time, he, he, he goes into eternity, but he goes there as a very poor, poor man. Because he was, he was financially, he was in this world he was wealthy, but in eternity he was poor. Mark chapter 12, it says, Jesus, on another occasion, Jesus was in, a temp, was in the temple in Jerusalem, and he was watching people as they gave. It's a great story. You can read that again later as well, but The Bible says Jesus sat opposite the treasury. The treasury was like a box. They didn't have people pass a plate. They just had a box in the back where people would put. And and, and it says there that Jesus watched people as they gave. But more than, I think, more than watching what was in their hands, Jesus watched their hearts and their motives. He was concerned not just what they gave, but how they gave. A few moments ago, we received an offering, and many of you had an envelope or a check or something, or maybe, maybe you, you texted it or however you did it, and, 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 and that is a physical action. But do you know that God is concerned about how we give the motive of our heart? What's going on inside of us as we give? Jesus watched them as they give. He saw their hearts and their motives in giving. And so again and again, throughout the Gospels, Jesus talked money. Again and again, he would go to these different things. Jesus would talk about things like debt and uh, taxes, right? This is tax season. Jesus, Jesus talked about taxes and he talked about treasure and he talked about inheritance you read through the gospels with with this understanding and you will see again and again jesus was talking about often these physical resources and jesus also talked about tithing tithing now for two weeks i've Talked very little about this. I just made one passing reference two weeks ago. But at the end of last week, I, I shared that, I said, I want you to be back here today because there's something that I want to share about that God uses miraculously to bless us and protect us financially. Tithing. Tithe, quite simply, 
means to give 10% of everything we make back to God. To some, that is kind of a new concept. It's a, it's a new thing. And you're, you're saying, well, I, I, I've not heard of that. And, and there are many of you, perhaps, that, are, that are, are new in your walk with Christ, and this is unfamiliar to you. It means to give 10% of everything we make back to the Lord. If you were here two weeks ago, we, we came down on this, that everything that we have is God's. Everything that we have is God's, that, that really, again, we only hold these things for a time, that we are his servants and he gives us his resources for a time. But it's all his. The tithe means that we take 10% of everything that already is his because he's the one who's given it to us and helped us make it and give us the mind and the body to earn it. But we take 10% of that and we give it back to the Lord. It is the understanding that the first tenth of everything we make goes to Him. And tithing, tithing, or the giving of the tenth, is recorded at least 40 times in the Bible. 40 times. Now, let me just say that that is a lot. Anytime you have something, a subject occurring more than three or four times in the Bible, even more than two times, then you better sit up and take notice. (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? I have known some people who will find something that is so obscure in Scripture, one occurrence of something, that we may not know the whole story on that, and they will take that and they will build an entire doctrine upon that. That's often what you will see with cults. They will take something very obscure. It's in the Bible. They misunderstand it. They twist it and they build an entire doctrine out of that. On one small, obscure, we don't know the whole story kind of thing. And yet, oftentimes, people will then take something that occurs 20, 30, 40 times or more and say, that's not for today. Tithing occurs in Scripture. It is mentioned at least 40 times. That's a lot. Here's one of them. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 reads this way. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. And I want you to notice this phrase. It says, it is holy to the Lord. Read it again. You see it before you. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It was an agrarian society. You understand. So this is what this was their, their source of income. And, and the word here is saying in Leviticus 27 that the tenth of that is the first tenth of that is holy to the Lord. And I want you to think about that. So often we think of something as holy as an object, like it, it, it is something that is, uh, is sanctified, which me- means set apart. Holy means to be set apart. And what are the things that we consider holy? Well, you know, to me, this is, this is a very holy thing. I, I, I've shared this with some of you. Uh, I, I've, I have a lot of Bibles, and sometimes they get damaged or they get worn out. Uh, 
I've had some replaced and the, the back kind of wears out and, and, uh, and I, I get it fixed and then, you know, after a while it just wears out some more. I've had some pocket ones that go through the wash machine. That'll, that'll just really mess up a Bible, especially if you dry it. <laughs> Thanks, honey, you dried it too. So it was really, you know, it gets really big. You can't use it. And, um, uh, I, but uh, in all these years now, I've been, I've been serving the Lord for over uh, 40 years and uh, I, I'm still incapable of ever throwing a Bible away. I can't do it because it's, it's God's Word. So I have a box. I have a box that um, I have carried for a lot of years, and, and I keep adding Bibles to it um, and, and, and I, because I, I don't have it in me to throw a Bible away. So I came up with an idea a couple of years ago. I thought, you know, I'm never going to use these. They're worn out, and, and I know it's paper and ink and, and, and all of that, uh, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to, uh, I came up with a solution. I'm going to buy a bunch of Gideon Bibles. And so I, I counted up the number of Bibles that were in this box. And I thought, you know, I'm going to buy these, I'm going to buy these, these Gideon. So I bought like a whole bunch of Gideon Bibles. And so that's great. And then I went to throw it away and I still couldn't do it. So they're still in my basement. They're, they're still there. I can't do it because it's, to me, it's, 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 it's a holy object. It, it, it's It's holy. Now, I, I know it's, it's paper and, and, and all of that, but there's something about it. The Bible here says in Leviticus, it says the tithe is holy. You think about that. Think about that. God said one-tenth of everything that we make is holy. It is set apart. You know, I doubt that any one of us would ever take a cross and do something despicable to it. Why? Because it's, that's holy. I doubt that any person here would ever intentionally deface this because we regard this, this book, the Bible, as, as holy. And yet, how, how often is it God said that one-tenth of everything we make is to be set apart, it is for a holy purpose, and we disregard that? I wonder how many times that happens where we dismiss the holy now, that's just one of those 40. But let me tell you, some of the people, here are some of the well-known people in the Bible who tithed. Some of the very well-known people in the Bible. Abraham. Abraham is the, the, the man who began the Jewish people, that God used to begin the Jewish people. I mean, a man of tremendous faith. He tithed. Jacob. This would be his grandson. Abraham's grandson. Jacob, the man who his, his name was later changed by God to Israel, Jacob tithed. Moses tithed. Moses, the, the one that God raised up to, to be the lawgiver. Through him, God gave the law, and, and God used him to deliver God's people out of years of bondage and slavery. Moses tithed. David, the greatest king of Israel. I mean, the man who, was, who's, who had his heart after God, who was after God's own heart, rather. The man who was at first a, 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 a faithful shepherd and a giant slayer. That man, the Bible says, he tithed. You know, I don't know about you, but that's pretty good company. These were people who trusted God 
and it showed in their finances. They obeyed what Leviticus 20 said. They regarded it as holy. It's pretty good company. But it's in Malachi chapter 3 that God gives each of us a promise regarding the tithe. So I'd like you to turn there, please, to the book of Malachi chapter 3. Three. If you don't know where Malachi is, go to Matthew and turn left. So that's it's the last book in the Old Testament. I had a roommate in college. He called it Malachi. He was Italian. He called it Malachi. I said, it's not Malachi. He says, I'm Italian. It's Malachi. Call it what you want. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Let me give you the context uh, the backstory to this, to this book of the Bible and for what we're going to read today. Here's the context. For generations, the people of Israel had turned their backs on God. For generations, one after another, they had rejected God. They had rejected Him generation after generation. And as a result, God had removed His favor from them. Let me tell you something. If you don't know this already, Life is hard, but it's even harder if you reject God. These people had rejected God. The worship of pagan gods, false gods like Baal, had crept in. It was always happening so often with the history of the Jewish people. They began worshiping these false gods, and, and they would go through these cycles of, of uh uh, judgment and repentance and restoration and then they would fall back into sin or walk back into sin and then they would start this cycle again and again and again. For generations the people of Israel had rejected God and God had removed his favor. I heard a long time ago, never lose the favor of God, the blessing of God. These people were in a desperate place. In a state of brokenness, the people of Israel asked God how they could return to him. How do we, how do we come back? How do we fix this? How do we come back into right relationship with you? How could they come back, they wondered, under his favor? And, and God responded, and it's interesting because it's, he responded in a kind of a dialogue Malachi chapter 3, verse, verses 7 and 8 read this way. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me. Please notice the sequence here. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Again, dialogue. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you, God said, you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And God said, in tithes and in offerings. Now this is pretty strong. This is pretty strong. I mean, when you're, when you're robbing God, these people were in desperation and they were saying, we know, we recognize that we have wandered far from you and that we've come out from under your favor. 
How can we come back into right relationship? Now, there were a lot of things, of course. Condition of their heart. Renunciation of the false gods. But it's interesting here that God said, well, for one thing, you've been, I paraphrase now, for one thing, you've been robbing me. You've been stealing from me. You've been, you've been taking what God regarded, they were taking what God regarded holy for themselves. God said, you're stealing. It's pretty strong, but it gets stronger. Look at verse 9. You are under a curse. This is God saying, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. God said they were cursed. Again, strong word. <laughs> anytime, anytime you use the word curse, you're cursed. That's pretty. St- God said you're under a curse. You're under a curse. There's something that has affected you. It's become systemic. You, you, are, you are living under a curse. Now, let me just back away from Malachi 3 for a moment. But I can't help but wonder, I can't help but think how that word cursed describes many people today and their finances. Think about that. How many people today, they look at their finances and they feel like, man, I'm under a curse. It goes from bad to worse. It's a constant struggle. How many people today, living right now, feel like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit further behind every month. I want to retire someday, but I'll be 110 before I can afford to do so. It's such a struggle. How many people look at the 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 bills coming in and the income going, or the the, the lack of income and and, and the enormity of the expenses, and they go, how can I do this? Regardless of their income, and some people have big income, but they have devastating expenditures. Consistently. Week after week, month after, year after year often from generation to generation. Have you noticed that? Often from one generation to the next and to the next. You know, there's, this, there's this unbroken sequence of people who are, I guess in one sense, it just seems like they're under a curse. Again, God says, you're, you're under a curse, your whole nation because you're up there was a connection i want you to see this there's a connection between what they failed to do and what they were living with there is a connection still today often in many ways and there's a, there's a number of factors but i still believe this works today there are people who are living with horrible consequences because of what they have failed to do according to god's word Now, here's here's the thing. Everything that I've said up to this point is not good news. It's bad news. But here's, 
God didn't just state the problem, he gave the solution. Look at verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now you understand the desperate place that they're in. Now he's giving the solution. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now I want you to notice here, this is a command, but it is a command with a promise. I like that kind of a command. It's a command, not with a a possibility, but it is a command with a promise. God said, test me in this. Do you see that there? End of the second line, beginning of the third. Test me in this, God said. Test me in this, in this, says the Lord Almighty. Another translation uses the word prove me. Prove me. God here is saying, put me to the test. See if I won't do this. Go ahead and prove me. By the way, this is the only time in all the entire Bible, that we are invited to put God to the test. It's the only time in all of the Bible, all of that book that you hold in your hand, it's the only time when God said, put me to the test. Take me at my word. Prove me. (laughs) I know a lot of people that say said things like, if you are God, then you do this. It doesn't work that way. Even Satan tried doing that with Jesus. Jesus told him it was wrong. But here in Malachi 3, this is the one time when God said, put me to the test. To put God in a position to prove himself. That's pretty strong. Now, Here's the thing, there are some people who dismiss tithing saying it was only given to persons under the law of Moses. Because that's what Leviticus is, you saw that text earlier, That 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 was a part of the law that was given. And there are a lot of people today that say, well that's not for... That's not for this time because that was only for the the people of Israel under a set period of time and yet long before Moses... That's through whom God gave the, uh, the command. People like Abraham and Jacob tithed. So tithing happened long before, long before the Mosaic Law and long after the Mosaic Law because Jesus himself affirmed tithing. Jesus was speaking on one occasion, Jesus was speaking to some religious leaders in Luke chapter 11 and he said this, woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. What is, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, listen, I, I want it to be more than just a matter of the hand, but a matter of the heart. You, you, you should have, he says, he should, you should have done the, the last line there. Uh, you've practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Do the former, but also 
also make it a matter of your heart. Jesus affirmed tithing. People say, well, Jesus, he addressed her right there. Jesus says you should do both, both a matter of the hand and a matter of the heart. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Not, not only that, but throughout the Gospels and then into the book of Acts, numerous examples of sacrificial giving in difficult times. Just this last week, I was in my devotions, and I'm reading through, right now, I'm reading through the book of Acts, and I read through an occasion where a prophetic word came to a gathering of believers of a, of a, uh, a natural disaster that was going to come. It hadn't happened yet. They took up an offering, and they gave sacrificially for an emergency relief effort, and the emergency hadn't even happened yet. That's faith. Can, can you imagine? I would love to see your faces if, you know, next week we say, you know what, we're going to, there's going to there's gonna be a hurricane in two months from now uh, in, in such and such a place, and we're going to take up an offering for it today. You're going to say, really? But that's an example of sacrificial giving. One of the men that we know of, his name was, was Barnabas. It says that he sold land and he gave it to the work of the kingdom. Again and again, you see sacrificial giving, not just 10%, in some cases, everything. Now, we're talking about tithing. We're talking about giving 10%, but there's something that you need to know. I, I, I not only teach and preach tithing, but my wife and I tithe. I learned it as a very young boy. My wife is a very young girl. When I was seven years old, I got my first job. And I was making good money. <laughs> it, was, it was trimming. It was one of these things. We didn't have these weed whackers. We had one of these. My brother, he got a lawnmower, and I got a little trimmer, and we went to work, man. We started making money. Big money, like $4 a day sometimes. That was eight yards. I would get four dollars, fifty cents a yard, and and I would I would do this, and we began making money. And my dad, as soon as we got the first bit of money, my dad sat me down. I remember very. He, my brother wasn't there. He must have talked to my brother sometime before. But my, my dad sat me down, and he said, "Gary," and he pulled out he pulled out a dollar bill, and he says, "All right, here." He says, "I want you to understand now that ten ten percent of this, ten cents of this dollar is God's." And he used the word, he said, that's holy to God. He must have, somebody must have told him about Leviticus. He says, that's holy. He said, here's the thing. If you honor God with that 10%, God will bless all of it. I want you to hear that. He said, if you honor God with 10% of it, God will honor all of it. He says, that's God's blessing. He said, Gary, he says, you're going to make a lot of money in your life. He says, he said, in, in your lifetime. He says, you're going to make a lot of money. He said, I want you to learn now, this is where it starts, that this is God's. So you're going to take a dime out of every dollar, and you're going to give it to God. And then he gave me more instructions about offering, because you see, tithes are different than offerings. Offerings are beyond the 10%. And he gave us some instructions. I won't talk about that now. But he gave us some instructions regarding offering as well. From that time to this time, I have done this. I won't say, and, and, and then we taught our own children as well. I will not say it's 
it's been easy. We tithe because we're instructed to do so in God's Word. My wife and I also tithe because we have seen God demonstrate what He said He would do in Malachi chapter 3. I will not give you all of the details. I can't. There, there are too many. But there have been countless times in which Joni and I have seen God's faithfulness on countless occasions because we have been obedient to Him in this essential area of life. And sometimes it's been flat out hard. It's been very difficult at times. But I knew and I, I kept, I, I see it in God's Word and I kept hearing this from my father when I was a little boy. He said, Gary, he said, that's God's. And if you honor God with that 10%, He will bless all of it. It'll affect the whole. It's not always been easy. In fact, it's confession time. A couple of years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, um, we had a lot of expenses, kids in college, helping them out, uh, my wife in college and needing to update a car, and maybe it was three years, I forget exactly, but it was, and I wrote out the check, and on my, if you were to see my budget, the first line there is tithe, and, and I wrote out the check, and I put it on my desk, and, but there were some other things that were coming due, and I I held that check for a while, didn't give it because I didn't want the other stuff to bounce. And uh, after two or three weeks, then we would uh, give that tithe. And one day I'm, and it's a struggle, it's just like, oh, this went on for a couple of months. And I would hold it for a couple of weeks and say, well, it's written out, it's designated, it'll be paid, but I'm just going to, I was kind of borrowing against it. And one day in prayer, God spoke to me and he says, that's holy. And he says, you're, you're using that and you're not trusting me. That's confession. No more. We write it, we give it, and we trust God. It's not always been easy, but we've learned, and many of you have learned as well, that as we are obedient with the tithe, He blesses all of it. As we are obedient with what He calls... You see, here's the thing, and this is going to shake some of you up. God does not need your money. If you don't give, if you don't tithe, God will use someone else to get the job done. But, but he, he does not need our money. He gave us something called tithing so that He can recognize our obedience and in our obedience He blesses not just 10%, He blesses all of it. Let me, I'm going to say this. I would rather live on 90% of an income than 200% and not tithe on it. I would rather live on 90%. Here's the thing. You know what? If God said, if God said, I want half of it, I want you to give half of it, 
Do you know that still wouldn't be enough to thank him for all he's done for me? Some we go, 10%. Cuz if we honor this 40 times it shows up in the Bible. If we honor God, then he blesses all of it. Not just the 10, but but everything, all of it. Glory to God. Now, here's the thing. Believers in Christ who tithe become tremendous advocates of tithing. Let me say that again. Believers in Christ who tithe become tremendous advocates of it. I mean, they, they go, wow, this is powerful. This is a powerful truth. In these last few weeks, it's been a lot of fun because I've had so many people come up to me at different places, some in my office, some in your homes, some in different places. Somebody, a couple of weeks ago, somebody grabbed me in the meat department at Walmart. They said, let me tell you a story of what God did. I had a hallelujah breakdown right there next to the ground round. because of what God did in this person's life in response to their obedience and their their tangible trust in God with what he had given them. Many of you have shared what God has done, how he's proven himself faithful. He has proven himself faithful as you've been obedient to him in your finances. It's been so much fun to hear. And yet, here's the thing. While those who, be, who, who practice it become its, some of its greatest advocates, those who do not tithe find it almost incomprehensible. How, how is that even possible? As a pastor, I, I've had a lot of people over the years come and speak to me about a financial need. Some of you have been there, and one of the first, and you know that one of the first questions I ask is, are you tithing? Remember, I want God's, we want God's blessing upon all of it. We need to be obedient with what he's called us to do. One of the first questions I'll ask you is, are you tithing? Invariably, invariably the response is, Pastor, I can barely pay my bills. How could I possibly tithe the first 10%? I hear that. I've heard it. I've, I've probably heard it more than 100 times. Or there's this one, I can't afford to tithe now, but when I make enough money, I will do so. I can't afford to tithe now. My response is always this, my friend, let me tell you, God, you, you're, you're obedient with this, God will bless all that you can't afford not to tithe. That's pretty strong. Some of you need to hear that. You know, I have a, I have a $10 bill right here. You know, it's easy to say we trust in God. In fact, we even print it on our money. You probably knew that, right? Right there on the back over the picture on the $10 bill, over the picture of the treasury building, in God we trust. We say, I trust in God. We say, I put faith in God. We print it on our money, in God we trust. But then, often with our words or with our actions, We declare that we cannot trust him to do what he said he would do. People say, I trust God, I believe in God, I have placed my trust in him, but I can't afford to do this now. Now this is going to be strong. I'm saying some strong things here. 
You may say you trust God, but if you're not tithing, you are not trusting God to follow through on his promise in Malachi chapter 3. You may say, I believe this. We, you may say every promise in that book is mine, every chapter, every verse, and every line. You may say that, but if you're not tithing, you don't really believe it. Boy, it's quiet today. Author John Bevere, some of you know him, wrote this. Physical maturity is measured by age. Spiritual maturity is measured by obedience. I've known people who have claimed faith in Christ for years, decades. But they're not obedient to what God has called us to do in His Word. And I've known some people who gave their heart to Christ just, just a few weeks or a few months or maybe a year or so ago. But they've, they've, they've learned already that, that to be obedient is, is the only way to live, to trust God, to be obedient to what He calls us to do in the Word, even if it's challenging, even if it's difficult. See, here's the thing. Obedience to God is it's not always easy. Often it's flat-out difficult because we see the price that's often paid we go, I don't know if I can do that. It's so, so hard. But there's only one way to serve Christ, and that is in obedience to what he calls us to. You see, here's the thing. This is a dangerous sermon to be a part of because now you're responsible for it. You can't claim ignorance. You couldn't claim it before anyway. It's still in the book, even if you didn't know about it. But it's there. Now you know. Now you're responsible. What are you going to do with it? You're going to take Malachi and say it doesn't apply to me? You're going to take Leviticus 23 and say it doesn't apply to me? What those other people did who trusted God all of those centuries, that applies to them, but it doesn't apply to me. You can't do that. Malachi chapter 3, verse 11 says this, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. God said... God said, if you are faithful with this, I will spare you. And one translation says, I will rebuke the devourer. If you are faithful with what I call you to do, God said, then I, I will rebuke, I will push out, I will, I will remove the one who devours. Some of you are looking for a better job, a better income, and I pray you get it. But even with a better job and a bigger income, it too can be devoured. I've known people that have made $200,000, $250,000 a year. <clears throat> At the end of the year, it's all consumed because the devourer is eating it all up because they're not trusting God. And I've known people who made thirty dollars and $32,000 a year and who said, I'm going to trust God. It's not very much, but I'm going to be obedient to Him. And at the end of that year, they have more than they had at the beginning. That's faithfulness. I don't know how it always works. I just know that He does it. My first place of ministry, I... I I made $25 a week, full-time ministry. I don't know what the hourly wage on that, but I think it was illegal. <laughs> I made $25 a week, and I remember the struggle, and I'm writing out a check for $2.50. 
I said, God, this isn't very much. But they're going to they're gonna think, what in the world is this guy doing? But I said, God, it's not very much. But I know what you said in your word. And I know what I learned as a little boy. And I'm going to trust you. You're going to work a miracle. I don't know how the math is going to work. But I know that you're over top of that. And he was. And he still is. He rebukes the devourer. Be obedient to God. Be obedient to God. He told us to put him to the test in this. He promised, he promised, he promised to throw open the windows of heaven and pour out on us a blessing that is overflowing if we're obedient. A man named A.W. Tozer was a godly man who died decades ago. A.W. Tozer, he wrote something that when I read it, I knew I had to share it with you. A.W. Tozer wrote this, The true follower of Christ will not ask, If I embrace this truth, what will it cost me? Rather, they will say, This is truth. God help me walk in it. Not, what is this going to cost me? It's not the question. The statement is, God, this is truth. I don't understand it all, and I may not have put it all into action, but Lord, if you said it, it's good enough to be for, for me. Help me walk in it. Again and again and again and again and again in this book, in his word, God tells us that we can live under a curse or we can live under a blessing. I'll tell you what, I want to live and I want you to live under God's blessing. I want that. I told you two weeks ago, I am so weary of seeing people living in, in, in financial conditions that are absolutely avoidable. Now, there's more to it. There's a lot to it. There's, we could talk, I could talk another two or three or four weeks about, about management and, and budgeting and, and, and investment and, and, and saving and, and giving and, and, and giving beyond. And I've known people that have lived on, on 10% and they've given 90%. I've known many people like that. There's a lot that I could share, but I know it starts right here. It starts with, God, everything I have is yours, and I am your servant. And Lord, you told me, if I honor you with this, then you will bless all of it. In a moment, we're going to close. The same way that we closed the last two weeks. Here's what I want you to do before we close. In coming weeks... And in coming months, because it may take a little while uh, for the word to get back to me or for you to find out the rest of the story. But in coming weeks and months, some of you are going to begin, in coming days, in coming moments, some of you are going to uh, begin uh, being obedient to God's command. And, uh, but in the coming weeks, there are going to be some pretty amazing things. Would you do this? I want you to come and I want you to tell me right? Hear me. When God begins to open up and you see his hand of blessing on you as you are obedient in this way, I want you to come and I want you to tell me because I want to rejoice with you and thank God. There's a lot of you that are sitting here and you're going, oh, I could tell you some stories right now. Yeah, I long to hear, but I'll tell you, but I'm speaking to those who have not yet done it, but you're going to. And, and, and there's going to be some amazing things that God is going to, 
I'm, I'm talking miracles that are, are beyond measure. And, and I want you to come and tell me, all right? So that's a request. I want you to stand. Please stand. And as, as we've done in recent weeks, I want you to take out your wallet. Go ahead and do it. We're not going to receive an offering. If you weren't here the last two weeks, some of you are getting nervous. We're not receiving an offering right now. I want you to take it out. I want you to hold something in your hand. Everyone, everyone. It, 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 it may be a, an ATM card. It may be a credit card. It may be a wallet, a purse. Uh, if, if you don't have something, I, I, but I want you to hold something. It may be a set of car keys. That's an investment. It, 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 that thing costs a lot of money. I want you to hold something in your hand, all right? Hold something of, that represents value in your hand. Get it in your hand. Because I want there to be a tangible, physical contact. It's representative of everything that you do, the work, the job that you have, the investments that you have, the bills that you have, the bills that are coming, the job that is coming. It's representative of all of that. I want you to take that in your hand. I want you to pray with me. Agree with me in prayer. You don't need to repeat it, but I want you to, re- I want you to agree with me in prayer for this. Lord, this represents so much. This represents an income. It represents expenditures. It represents assets and liabilities. It, it represents a job, a company, farm, a ranch. It represents tools, equipment, personnel. It represents college tuition, electric bills. It represents so much. But Lord, everything that I hold is yours. You want all of it? You tell me. And then help me be obedient to that. You want all of it? But you call us in your word, Lord. To tithe. We can't ignore it. We can't ignore it. We can't excise that from scripture. And so, Lord, I pray this for my brothers and my sisters here today. I pray that they would trust you more than just a word on a piece of paper, but they would truly trust you with all that they have. And that they would walk in obedience with all that they have. And we thank you. Lord, would you open up treasuries of heaven? Would you open it up and pour out on us a blessing that we cannot contain? Lord, I don't know, it may just be enough. It may may be just enough, but it's going to be a lot more than we had when we didn't have enough. I'm not asking, Lord, for wealth. I'm asking for enough. I'm asking that you will use us so that we can do even more for your kingdom. I I want to be used of you, Lord, in an outrageous way extravagant way 
So help us. We commit this to you. We thank you. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, may we go walking in obedience and in trust. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power and the provision of the Lord Jesus Christ.